Good afternoon, and welcome, everybody, to another session of the Business of Craft Beer Blog Talk radio show. I'm Gregory Dunkling, and I'll serve as your host today. As the craft beer phenomenon spreads across the country, perhaps a countertrend to the mergers and acquisitions that we read about is a growing consumer interest and demand for local breweries and local beer. Recently, there was a Nielsen report that asked, how important is local in your purchase decisions? For 21 and over consumers, 67% indicated this was important. And for 21 to 34-year-olds, this increased to 71%. Seven in 10 beer consumers are very interested in buying local. And here's another angle. If we look at the Brewers Association's statistics for last year, while national and regional breweries have slowed considerably, not so for local microbreweries and brew pubs. Take Vermont as an example. While the industry grew overall at just 6.2%, I say just after double-digit growth over the last 8 to 10 years, Vermont's breweries and brew pubs grew by between 40 to 50% on average. This reality of small local breweries gaining increasing support from consumers is by no means unique to Vermont. It's happening everywhere. In today's show, we'll examine this topic and try to understand what is driving this incredible demand. So I'd like to introduce our guests for today, Kristen and Paul Gentili, founders of Gentili Brewing Company in Beverly, Massachusetts. Thanks for taking time to join us today. No problem at all. Thanks for having us. Hi. So, Paul and Kristen, uh, I know you've been associated with craft beer for some time, but tell our listeners uh, about your backgrounds. So, I started brewing uh, at, well, I started working at uh, Ipswich Ale, uh, Mercury Brewing Company, which is the Ipswich Ale Brewery now, back in July of 2008. Uh, And I worked there for about seven years um, and built up enough skills and gumption to... uh, uh, to give Gentilly Brewing a shot. Um, so we started uh, serving our customers in March of last year. So we've been open for about a year and a half now. In my okay. background uh, as a beer lover has been for many years, but um, I, my background is primarily in marketing and public relations. Um, that's what I got my degree in and what I continue to do. Um, in my day job, in addition to working for the brewery. Oh, great! We're gonna we're gonna explore some of those uh, sort of marketing promotion uh, issues a little later in the show. Um, so, tell us about the history of of uh, of your brewery from the standpoint of why you started and what your goals were. So, we moved to Beverly. Uh, seven years ago, um, just as the city was kind of making a real effort to refocus its energy on the downtown. And living here as new residents, we, you know, were constantly looking for, you know, new places to explore, and there wasn't a brewery. So you mentioned in your intro, you know, people are looking for local, 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 and we didn't have a local brewery. Uh, and it's, you know, for city standards, it's a good size, and there's a lot of people here, and 
you know, suburban Boston. So, you know, there's people who live it, who work in Boston that live here. So the income level is good. It can support, you know, a, a local brewery, but it didn't exist. And we, Chris and I kept looking at each other and we were like, why doesn't this exist? This, this has to be, this, this, would, this would work. Uh, but no one was doing it. So finally, uh, we looked at each other and, um, you know, it became, it became apparent that if anyone was going to do it, it had to be us because no one else was doing it. So we kept, you know, we kept at it. We put a plan in place and, uh, and we got it done. And um, I'm, I grew up in Wisconsin, so kind of the, the family brewery, uh, family pub style was normal to me. It, feels, it felt organic. And that was another thing that was really kind of lacking, it seemed, in the options that were available north of Boston. And so when Paul and I set out to kind of concept what it was that we wanted to create, um, it seemed to be a really natural fit. Aside from, you know, having confidence in the fact that Paul learned from fantastic people on, on the brewing side and could make great beer, you know, we wanted a place that we would want to go and sit down and be able to enjoy having our dog or having our kids be there as well. Um, great. Um, as I guess most people know who know the greater Boston area, um, you have many, many breweries these days uh, that run from, you know, the the Boston metro area all the way up through the North Shore and, and of course, beyond. Um, so let's let's explore for a second the sort of mix uh, between local residents and people passing through, but looking for local craft. Uh, in in your time uh, being open, uh, can you kind of assess who comes to your brewery and what their motivation is? Yeah, I mean, what we found is that more than fifty percent of the people that come in every week. Uh, are return customers, and they live in Beverly or really, really close by to Beverly. I mean, it's, I mean, some some weeks it it might even go as high as three and four people. Three out of four people have been there multiple times. Um, our return customer is really what drives us. And then we do get some beer tourism, um, but not not a ton. It's really been the people, the people that are coming in are the people that we hoped would come in. It's the locals, and we're there, and we've created this community tap room that they feel comfortable coming into. They know they can get a good beer. They know they're going to see someone they know. Uh, or, even better, which happened probably for the first year we were open, they were seeing someone that they knew 15 to 20 years ago that they hadn't seen, and they met at the tap room, not because they planned to meet there, they just so happen to be there at the same time, and that was that's been really neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about sort of the larger issue of what we're seeing across the country in this this uh, demand for local beer. Um, what do you see as some of the factors that are driving this uh, this interest in in local? Fresh. You know the beer is going to be. It, it's it just it's going to taste better because it was packaged that day, um, and 
I, I think that having that and, and knowing who made the liquid uh, uh-huh. really goes along with it for people now. Um, and, and besides just knowing the brand, uh, which I think was important, and it still is important, but what, that was really important, you know, 10 to 15 years ago, was it was a lot of brand association. Now it's like brewer association. It's yeah, actually yeah. knowing the person or people behind the liquid um, is becoming more important. Um, yeah. At, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I still say the beer has to be good. <laughs> fresh, fresh beer that isn't well made still doesn't taste good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but fresh beer that is well made will always taste better than older beer that is also well made. Um, yeah. I was having a conversation with uh, a brewer the other day, and they were saying that all the time and energy spent in making packaged beer taste good, all that money, all that QC uh, and QA that went in to a lot of the regional and national breweries, you know, 10, even five years ago now, it's happened so fast. It's, it's now people go in and buy the beer that was dropped off that day. And it was packaged no less than a week ago. So the beer uh-huh. doesn't even have to have any shelf life because people are, if they see a beer with a date on the shelf that was, you know, three weeks old, they're like, oh, well, that's not fresh enough. I'm not going to get it. And then it just sits and gets older. Um, yep. So our, what we, what we allow, what the tap room allows us to do is, have the, you know, the extreme, extreme to fresh beer, which is I packaged it today. I, I literally yeah. filled it said today, and you are now drinking it. Uh, and that's, that shortens the timeline considerably. I think one other sure. thing that drives people to come in to a local brewery um, that they maybe can't get with a regional or a large, large national brewery is variety. Um, I know for us and a lot of our, our counterparts um, in Salem and Newburyport, you know, we can make one batch of something and it's available until it's gone and it may not come back. Um, and for us, that's an easy way to kind of test out what recipes our regulars are going to enjoy um, or to see if there's a beer that will drive new people to come in um, because they heard about it through one medium or another, and they wanted to try it. Um, so it's an interesting kind of business development method for us as well. But just the ability to come in and, you know, we have four standard beers that are on tap all year round. And then at any given point in time, we're going to have two to three other beers, most likely that you can just come in and taste. And, you know, there's there are things that Paul will just make on a whim. There are things that we'll throw in a cast, right, that you'll never be able to probably have again just because of how, how the beer um, changes. And that's, that's something special, too, that I think kind of bonds the community to being able to come in. Not only are they expecting to get quality, fresh beer, but there's, there could be, you know, week to week, we could potentially have different beer for them to try. And that's, that's exciting. Yeah, in addition to the the uh, stats that I gave earlier about uh, people being interested in local, um, we we know over the last few years that that 
people were interested in variety. And so, to your point, um, you're able to mix it up uh, quite frequently and test out new products. And every time I have that same experience when I walk into a local brewery, um, I'm not quite sure what's going to be on tap. Uh, they have their standard products often uh, or lineup of, of beer, but there are always new things, which is really, uh, for those of us who like to try new products, that's a great thing. I wanted to ask uh, just a little bit more about, uh, Kristen, the point you just made about your beer and how you approach it. Um, how do you see yourself distinguishing your brewery from others in your area in terms of what you produce? Well, so when I, when I make, when we were setting out to figure out what we were going to have for our customers, I wanted to make sure that we had beer on tap that they've had before. It goes against the necessity for people to have variety. And the reason for it was if you're constantly having everything be new, you run the risk of losing your customer base because uh-huh. they don't know if they're going to have something they like when they're there. So I made it a point to have a good selection of beer that would always be on tap. We have our Blondale, we have our IPA, and I make a Porter and a Stout. And those four beers are always on tap. Because I, if someone finds a beer they like, I want them to be able to come in on every any given day and know that they can have that beer. All of those beers as well, I purposely crafted to be lower in alcohol so that you can come in, sit down, and have a couple of beers and have a nice time. Um, I I personally don't like going out and having to choose between three or four, seven or eight percent beer Um, because I know I'm only going to be able to have one, and I might want to stay there a little longer and talk to people, and I want to be able to get home. Uh, so I made those four beers lower in alcohol and balanced so that they're not overly sweet, overly bitter, overly dry, uh, overly malty, um, no weird flavors, just good old simple beer with a variety so that, you know, if you really like dark beer, you can have dark beer. If you really like IPAs, you can have an IPA. If you really just want a nice, easy beer to drink, you can have the Blanc. So it's, so I have the variety built into my standards. And then on top of that, all the other beers that I make, the seasonals and the rotationals and the all of that, that gives me the freedom to offer higher alcohol or lower alcohol or different flavors or, you know, different styles. So you get a little bit of both. I think what yeah. Paul's saying um, in his own way is that, we're not, we did not set out with the beer um, menu to chase the trend. So yeah. obviously we're here in New England. New England IPAs are in abundance. Um, and, you know, both of us can enjoy a good juice bomb every once and again. But, you know, the beer that we are making, you know, our standards are really brewed in a much more English style. Um, and, the creative stuff that Paul mentions that's on rotation allows us to 
you know, experiment with things that may be barrel-aged or sour or a New England-style IPA, but it's not going to be, you know, those are things that we see as kind of that one-off. Because both of us, you know, as he mentioned, like to be able to go somewhere and be like, I love that porter. That's all I want. I want that porter. And, you know, we are trying to make those beers that are um, consistent um, without being, you know, super trendy or trying to latch on to, like, the next best thing. You know, I think Paul, he said it before, but, you know, the beers that we make are just the beers that we like to drink. Um, And we think that's really important, I think, in fostering that relationship with the customer, right? If people come in and ask me, you know, well, what kind is your favorite? And I can tell them, well, I love the porter because that's the first recipe that Paul made so many years ago. And there's sentimental meaning behind it. That's, that's real. There's something tangible to that versus being like, oh, well, we're making, you know, 10 different New England IPAs with 10 different hop combinations, and it feels like a fad. Yeah, right. Uh, We're talking with Kristen and Paul Gentili, founders of Gentili Brewing in Beverly, Massachusetts. Uh, The phone lines are open, and if you're welcome to give us a call at 929-477-1757 to join the conversation. Uh, Let's see here. We have a call in from uh, Brittany. Go ahead with your question. Hi, yes, thank you so much. This has been extremely informative, and I just had a question for um, guys, Kristen and Paul. And that's, like, how do you guys really connect with your community? Do you sponsor a lot of special events? Do you have community outreach as, like, a word-of-mouth thing? Do you put things in the newspaper? What's kind of your strategy, and uh, how do you connect? How do you reach out? So... Our strategy was really to be present in the community. Um, We do some things that would be seen as kind of strategic outreach. You know, we put an ad in our local high school team's football brochure that goes out to all of the parents, and it's available at every game each year. Um, This last holiday season, we had a food drive for a local food pantry where, you know, we ended up being able to donate hundreds of pounds of non-perishable items that we got in. Um, we help with certain fundraising things or we'll, we'll have events at the brewery that help people in the community in various ways, shapes, and forms. Um, you know, I think we really want to just be part of the community scene as supporting the community um, you know, we've hired a number of people that all live uh, both in Beverly and other places on the North Shore. That's something that was really important to me was showing that, you know, we're not just like another business, that we're adding value to the community. Um, and so it, it's certainly part of kind of our higher level strategy, but I think similar to a lot of things that have happened over the last, the course of the last two years and deciding how we wanted to set up the business and what we were going to focus on, a lot of those things have really happened organically, um, where an opportunity has either come proactively to us or, you know, we've sat and thought, hey, you know, we're seeing a need that's not being met that maybe we can help out with. 
um, and we can we can fill in and fill in the gaps. And it's been um, it's something that we're continuously looking to expand upon um, and continue to show that you know we're not just another business in the community that we really want to be a partner um, for the community. That's fantastic. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for your call, uh, Brittany. Um, we have another caller on the line. Would you like to announce yourself and uh, your question? I guess not. <laughs> okay, well, I wanted to um, uh, read a comment that somebody left on a blog describing their experience at Gentilly uh, Brewing. They said, uh, amazing atmosphere, great beer, and stellar people. It's very laid-back, small-town type place with five to six beers on tap at a time, end quote. Um, I mentioned that in relation to my next question, which is, do you, what do you see as the connection uh, between the, the English pubs and traditionally what, how, how they serve the public and uh, – part watering hole, community center, restaurant, and, of course, supplier of local quality beer. And that that's taking place today in tap rooms like yours across the U.S. What's your sense of that? I think that they're uh, connected pretty solidly. Uh, and I think as more local tap rooms start, uh, I think you're going to see – that connection grows stronger. Um, you know, like we said before, the whole point of us doing what we did and the way we did it is we wanted to be, we wanted to make beer for Beverly. That was the idea. Uh, and if you're doing that, then your place of business needs to be welcoming for the entire community. Uh, so much like the English pubs, and I, I spent, I spent, quite a few hours in Irish pubs, uh, and I can imagine that uh, they are similar, uh, at least. Uh, and anyone's welcome to go in there. Uh, and it's really, it's a nice environment and atmosphere to be in. Um, so as more local places pop up that are making their own beer, you're going to see that, I think you're going to see that community focus grow even more, where you know that you can just go in and have a beer and you're going to know somebody. Uh, and that just becomes the place that you go for beer. And that was our mm -hmm. hope that we become that place for beer. Yeah. Well, great. Uh, let me just take a moment uh, for our sponsor, uh, the Business of Craft Beer Program at the University of Vermont. Uh, if you've dreamed about one day opening your own brewery or are looking for a career change into craft beer, the Business of Craft Beer Certificate offers industry-specific knowledge to make that possible. Your instructors are craft beer experts from across the U.S. and Canada. Each class has eight to ten industry leaders to guide your learning about the business side of the craft beer industry. To learn details, visit us at our Facebook page, uh, University, UVM Business of Craft Beer, or give us a call at 800-639-3210. Our fall classes start in three weeks, so register now to get started. Um, I wanted to uh, also explore with you, when we met in, our, in your brewery a few months back, uh, we discussed the importance of staff in your tap room. 
many breweries uh, emphasize the physical environment and how branding carries over into the tap room. Yet one of the shortfalls uh, in some brewery tap rooms involves uh, staffing. The constant changeover in the people who are there or poor hiring decisions. Uh, sometimes customers place uh, high value in having a trusted face, even a friend behind the bar. Uh, this is even uh, more important when the owners cannot be present most of the time, which I, I would imagine is the case with, with both of you and <laughs> with your kids. And um, So how do you view, you know, the importance of the people you hire and how important are they in reflecting your brand? So the staff that we hire um, is probably as important, if not slightly more important, than the beer that we make. Um, they are, by all intents and purposes, an extension of Paul, me, our children, our dog. Um, and, you know, we, our brewery is a little bit different, I think, than, than some other local breweries in that ours is truly, we view it at least as a family business. And, you know, you come in and there are pictures of our family hanging up on the wall. And so the people that are behind the bar, um, the people that help set up our events, they're, they are part of, you know, our family. And that sounds uh, wishy or very lovey-dovey, but I think it makes a big difference when you have that community of people coming in regularly that do expect to see the same faces and get to know them as people. They rely on them. They trust them for their opinion. Um, and it's incredibly important to have that consistency. Um, we've seen it even when some of our folks just go on a vacation where people will come in on a Friday night and they're like, where is that person? How come they're not here? Are they okay? Are they sick? What has happened? And that's been, um, it's been surprising to me. I don't know to Paul, but it's been surprising to see the level of connection that people have established with our staff and, you know, we would not be who we are and what we are without them. I think, you know, you mentioned in your question that people set out to create a specific ambiance. <laughs> Paul and I joke that, like, we just wanted to get paint up on the walls and make sure that we had some tables and places for people to sit. And, you know, ambiance was kind of the last thing that we focused <laughs> on. Like a lot of other things with the business, it was organic. But for us, um, before we knew that I was going to be having twins the same year as opening the brewery. Paul and I were planning to be behind the bar. Um, and then that, quick, that quickly changed. And uh, so we, yeah. we had to find people like-minded, you know, who would be able to serve our beer the way we would have served it. Yeah, it yeah. was uh, – we were, uh, we were full-on anticipating uh, hiring a babysitter for uh, for our daughter and um, you know eventually for whatever babies came in to the mix and that Kristen and I would uh, you know would would be behind the bar at least once uh, you know once a week uh, maybe alternating and you know serving our customers and really hammering home the fact that this is a family business and a family brewery and it became very quickly apparent that that wasn't going to be the course of action. Uh, that we needed to take. Um, carrying twins is no joke. That is real work. And, uh, and 
you know, I couldn't be at the brewery every, you know, every time we were open because, um, you know, we needed to give our little girl a bath. <laughs> and um, so we, we, had, to, we made, had to make some hires, uh, and, uh, you know, pretty much everyone that we hired is still working there because um, they love it there and people love them and they don't want to go anywhere else. Uh, and then once once the boys once the boys arrived in September, um, we brought on um, a woman to manage the tap room, and she is a godsend because she can do that job better than I ever could. Uh, I mean, there's just no question. And she is able to be that face that Kristen and I wanted to be. So we come strolling in with our gaggle, uh, you know, three children and a dog. And we descend on there on the brewery for an hour, and then we all we have to leave. And what we leave behind is a really competent staff with an excellent manager to make sure that the brewery has that family feel and that community feel even when we're not there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was certainly my experience uh, when I uh, came by one Friday evening. Um, uh, Tell me, um, when you mentioned uh, when I visited that you were adding, uh, anticipating adding equipment and uh, already moving to, to greater production capacity, um, uh, where are you now, and uh, where do you where do you see yourself in uh, three to five years? So that's the magic question, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so right, so right now, so when we first started. Um, I bought a two-barrel brew house with three two-barrel tanks. And within the first month and a half, I had bought a four-barrel tank. Uh, and just recently, uh, last week, I purchased two seven-barrel tanks. Um, and we are today and tomorrow, maybe into Thursday, we're pouring concrete around new drainage that we installed so that we have a place to put those tanks. So, you know, we're growing, uh, but we're not doing so at, you know, I guess percentage-wise it's pretty significant, uh, but total volume, you know, still overall pretty small. Um, I anticipated uh, selling uh, around 150 barrels um, in our first year um, or producing 150 barrels in our first year. Uh, I didn't actually start making liquid last year until uh, until February, and I made about 100 barrels. Um, and this year, we're on pace to do somewhere around 120 to 140 barrels. Um, and that's with pretty limited hours. Um, so we're expanding our hours. Um, right now, we're only open Friday and Saturday, and we're going to add on Thursday starting in September. So we're going to be open more, which means theoretically we'll sell more liquid, which means I need to be able to make more liquid. Uh, so that's where the new tanks come in. Uh, and then we'll also expand our, uh, our distribution. We're doing it all ourselves, obviously, kind of obviously. And then uh, uh, so we'll get to, into a few more restaurants, and I'll need more liquid for that. And then so that's like kind of the next year and change. And yep. then beyond that, you know, I don't know. We'll just see where it goes. I, I would anticipate, uh, you know, maybe doing something, you know, some small canning line 
you know, maybe do cans for sale instead of growlers or, uh, you know, maybe go into a few more, you know, package stores, you know, uh, to kind of bulk up that side of the business. But, you know, honestly, I don't know, you know, a few more tanks and uh, try to be, uh, try to make a little bit more beer and, you know, maybe develop some sort of a barrel aging program to a certain extent or, um, you know, but really to be perfectly honest, what we want is what we have right now. Um, we, we have a nice community-focused tap room. People love coming in. They love that they know the staff. They enjoy drinking the beer. They enjoy the new things that we do. Um, you know, we try to bring in different food vendors throughout because we don't do food ourselves, so we organize food trucks or, or food vendors, little pop-ups. So we try to keep that new and interesting. Um, we've partnered with uh, a local art installer uh, who is bringing local art, local artwork into the brewery. So we've been doing art openings and art shows. Um, so, I mean, it's going, it's going really nice. And I think, you know, if we grow too fast, too quick, I think we're going to lose, lose sight of that. So the goal yeah. is to not lose sight of that. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, unfortunately, we're out of time, and I would really like to thank uh, Kristen and Paul uh, for joining us today and sharing their story about starting a local brewery in Beverly, Massachusetts. Um, uh, trust me, if you have uh, uh, any reason to be in the neighborhood on a Friday or Saturday evening or very soon Thursday evening, uh, stop on by and uh, and see what uh, they've created there for uh, a great local brewery in Beverly, Mass. Um, thanks again, Kristen uh, and Paul, for, for taking time to be with us today. You're welcome. We appreciate you having us on, Greg. Thank you very much, Greg. That was nice. Fun. Take care. We'll, we'll see you sometime soon. Sounds, Sounds good. good. All right. Bye-bye.